1 Chronicles chapter 5. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel. For he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be listed according to the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brothers, and from him came the prince, but the birthright was Joseph's. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Kami. The sons of Joel, Shemaiah his son, Gog his son, Shimi his son, Micah his son, Reaiah his son, Baal his son, and Bera his son, whom Tiglath-Pileser, the king of Assyria, carried away captive. He was the prince of the Reubenites. His brothers by their family, when the genealogy of their generations was listed, the chief, Jael and Zechariah, and Bela, the son of Azaz, the son of Shema, the son of Joel, who lived in Aroah, even to Nebo and Baal Mion. And he lived eastward, even to the entrance of the wilderness, from the river Euphrates, because their livestock was multiplied in the land of Gilead. In the days of Saul, they made war with the Hagrites, who fell by their hand, and they lived in their tents throughout all the land east of Gilead. The sons of Gad lived beside them, in the land of Bashan to Salakar, Joel the chief, Shapham the second, Janai and Shaphat in Bashan. Their brothers of their father's houses, Michael, Meshulam, Sheba, Jorai, Jacan, Zia, and Eber, seven. These were the sons of Abihail, the son of Huri, the son of Jeroah, the son of Gilead, the son of Michael, the son of Jehishai, the son of Jado, the son of Buz, Ahi, the son of Abdiel, the son of Guni, chief of their father's houses. They lived in Gilead in Bashan and in its towns, and in all the pasture lands of Sharon as far as their borders. All these were listed by genealogies in the days of Jotham, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, king of Israel. The sons of Reuben, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, of valiant men, men able to bear buckler and sword, and to shoot with bow, and skilful in war, were 44,760, that they may be able to go to war. They made war with the Hagrites, with Jetur and Naphish and Nodab. They were helped against them, and the Hagrites were delivered into their hand, and all who were with them, for they cried to God in the battle, and he answered them, because they put their trust in him. They took away their livestock of their camels, 50,000, and of sheep, 250,000, and of donkeys, 2,000, and of men, 100,000. For many fell slain because the war was of God. They lived in their place until the captivity. The children of the half-tribe of Manasseh lived in the land. They increased from Bashan to Baal, Hermon, Sinea, and Mount Hermon. These were the heads of their father's houses, even Ephah, Ishi, Eliel, Azrael, Jeremiah, Hodaviah, and Jardiel, mighty men of valour, famous men, heads of their father's houses. They trespassed against the God of their fathers and played the prostitute after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, and the spirit of Tilgath Pilneser, king of Assyria, and he carried them away. Even the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh 
and brought them to Hala, Habor, Hara, and to the river of Gozan to this day. So that's chapter 5 of 1 Chronicles, and it's a whole heap more genealogies. But the genealogies are not complete. It's one of the strange things about them. It's usually genealogies from, genealogies from a patch of time. And in this particular chapter, it said these were the genealogies during the time of Jotham and the time of Jeroboam, which was Jeroboam number two. So that dates it to, you know, a couple of hundred years before this was written. So um, you kind of wonder, well, why did he pick up uh, that patch of time to just put in some genealogies? And, you know, maybe that's the only genealogies he could get his hand on. We don't really know. But what's happening here is, starting with the last chapter, the author, the chronicler, is going through all the tribes of Israel one by one by one, and he's giving lists of significant people from each tribe. And now this chapter, it's Reuben, and it's Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now these are the three tribes which we call Transjordan tribes, because they live across the Jordan River on the east. Now Reuben, in theory, was the firstborn, so should have been listed first. Normal people would list all the tribes, you know, all the family members in order. Like if I list off my children to someone, I've got seven children, I list their names off, I go from one through to seven. I don't do number two and then number five, and I don't mess the order up. But here the order's messed up. <laughs> Last chapter, we started with Judah, number four. Then it was Simeon, number two. Now in this chapter, it's Reuben, who's the real firstborn, but he's, he's listed third. And then Gad and Manasseh, Manasseh isn't even one of Jacob's sons. He's one of Joseph's two sons. And it explains here that Joseph was the one who got the birthright, but Judah became the prince. And it said that's why they were not listed in order. So this chapter explains why they're not in the order that they would be by birth. It explains that Joseph, even though Joseph was born way down the list, he became the son who got the birthright. So in ancient times, uh, a birthright was you know, basically a special blessing, a double portion that went to the oldest son, normally. And you, you remember when we were in Genesis and we were talking about Jacob and Esau, and Jacob was the second, he, they were twins, so he wasn't second by much. You know, it could have been just minutes, or you know, half an hour or an hour, second, but he's still second. So Esau is supposed to have the birthright. And the birthright means it's a double portion. So if you've got two sons, in the case of Esau and Jacob, Instead of dividing up the family inheritance into two parts, you know, one for this son and one for that son, you divide it up into three parts. There's always one extra part, and then the first son gets two parts, and all the other sons get one. So he gets a double portion. So in the case of um, the 12 sons of Jacob, there's 12 of them, so inheritance in theory is divided up into 13. You add on the extra part, and then the first son, which should have been Reuben, would have got a double portion. He would have got two parts, and then the other 11 brothers would have had one part each, 11 of them. But what happened was that Reuben committed a terrible sin, which we covered in the book of Genesis, and now the firstborn didn't go to him. Instead, it went to Joseph. Now, Joseph was the firstborn of the other wife. So Jacob had um, four, two wives and two concubines, and this is where the 12 sons came from. The first wife was Leah, and she gave birth to six sons. The first one of those was Reuben, the boy we've just been talking about. But the other wife was Rachel. She had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. 
And so when Reuben messed up, the firstborn of that wife, the, the birthright goes to Joseph, the firstborn of the other wife. And he gets a double portion. But in the tribes of Israel, we, we don't have a tribe of Joseph. Instead, we have a tribe of Ephraim and a tribe of Manasseh. They're Joseph's two sons. So the double portion is actually Joseph's two sons. So that's why um, we often talk about Manasseh and Ephraim, but they together are actually one tribe, the tribe of Joseph. But it's the double portion of, and the tribe that's missing is Levi. So, you know, there's 13. If you count Joseph as two, and there's 11 others, that adds up to 13. So it, technically it's the 13 tribes of Israel, but no, Levi is never gets counted because something special happens with him. So there's 12 plus Levi. That's how all of that works. So in this chapter, it's, Reuben is not the first of the tribes to be discussed. He's the third because we already discussed Judah and Simeon in the last chapter. And here they're discussing Reuben and talking about various things. And then along with Reuben, they discuss Manasseh and Gad because these are the three tribes of the Transjordan across the Jordan River. And in this chapter, it talks about how they fought with the Hagarites and they won. And the Hagarites were Arabs. So in the Bible, you don't find the word Arab or Arabia anywhere. Maybe you do in the New Testament, but here in the Old Testament, um, I don't think you find it anywhere. But here, these Hagrites, they are the Arabs. So that's what they are all talking about. And then it says at the end of this chapter that the spirit of Tiglath-Pileser III came against them and took them all away into captivity. So this is the Assyrians. Now, we've been talking at the end of the book of 2 Kings about how the Assyrian Empire came. Well, the Assyrian Empire came and took away the Israelite nation in 722 BC and then in 586 BC the Babylonians cleaned up the southern nation of Judah but the three Transjordan tribes Manasseh, Ephraim and Gad they were actually taken away by the Assyrians by Tiglath-Pileser sometime between 745 and 727 BC so they were actually taken away before the northern nation of Israel was exiled. So we never hear much about the, these other three tribes. So you've got the land of Israel, you've got the tr 10 tribes at the top and the two tribes at the bottom, but across the Jordan River, you've got these three tribes. Now they're part of the 10, and even though the Bible says the 10 were exiled, these three were actually exiled um, before. And it's something I guess most people don't really realize. So Sennacherib or Sennacherib was the guy that took away the northern nation, but the king before Sennacherib was Tiglath-Pileser III, and he took away these three Transjordan tribes sometime between 745 and 727. That's an 18-year period that he was the king, and different commentators placed a different date on when they thought it happened. But basically, because there were different dates and the different commentators, I just recognize, all right, it's sometime during the reign of that king that that happened. Um, you know, maybe 10, 12, 15 years before the rest of the tribes of Israel were taken away. So the lesson we learn from them is, the lesson we learn from those three tribes is stay close to the God's people. <laughs> and uh, I guess because they were kind of isolated from the rest of the children of Israel, they were easier to pick off. They weren't near the capital city. They, were, they weren't easy to defend. The Jordan River used to get swollen and was hard to cross. They were kind of on their own, isolated, and so they were the first to go. The enemy got them first. You know, if you're attacking an enemy army and you've got the big bulk force, but you've got a small few on the side, 
it's easy to pick off the few on the side, um, and I guess that's what's happened here. Spiritually, what we can learn from this is that if you're someone that doesn't stay close to God's people, if you don't stay in church, if you're always a straggler, you're always on the edge, it's very easy for the enemy, the devil, to speak lies into your mind and to pick you off. You need to get fully immersed in the fellowship of the saints. Be surrounded by saints. So if you have some struggles, they can encourage you and strengthen you, pray you through. And so we can learn that lesson from the three tribes of the Transjordan. Lord, thank you for 1 Chronicles chapter 5. I thank you that even in failure and even in difficulties, we learn lessons. And I just pray that you'd help us to be cemented into the body of Christ, to be close, to be in fellowship, to be of one heart with the saints. And Lord, bless the people of God. Bless those listening today. Bless the church. May it be strong. May the church in the world be powerful. May it be fruitful. May the gospel have an effect. In Jesus' name, amen.